We continue our teaching series in Daniel as we move into the third chapter of the prophet's Old Testament writings. Now the transition from chapter 2 to chapter 3 is actually rather a stark one. In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that none of his Babylonian seers could identify or interpret for him. But Daniel, God's prophet, was given an opportunity to do so, and God proved worthy. Daniel not only told the king what he had dreamt, he also interpreted the dream for the king. And as a result, Daniel chapter 2 ends with this scene, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret of my dream. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three of Daniel's friends, to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's service. Chapter 2 of the book of Daniel ends with King Nebuchadnezzar worshipping God, instructing everyone in his kingdom to perform acts of worship to Daniel's God. And he honored Daniel as a follower of God, as well as Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 3 starts about 16 years later. There's about a 16-year gap between the two chapters. And since that very significant spiritual moment for the king, it's been enough years, enough time that's elapsed for the king's memory to have faded of what took place in the events of Daniel chapter 2. And so as we begin Daniel chapter 3, we read, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. And then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all these officials gathered around and listened. And a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipes and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Friends, what a stark contrast from the way that chapter 2 ended by the king commanding that everybody worship Daniel's God. Continuing in verse 6, anyone who refuses to obey, the king says, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king, some of the wise men, and they informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of all the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey your command must be thrown into a a burning, blazing furnace. Friends, after the events of Daniel 2, the prophet and his three friends must have felt like they were on solid and safe, certain ground in terms of being able to finally worship their God in a foreign land. 
But now Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's convictions, having previously got them uh, rewarded for their convictions, are now putting them into another life and death situation. Have you ever held firm to your godly biblical convictions and done what is right, only to have your problems heat up instead of cool down? It hurts, doesn't it? It can really hurt to the point where we wonder, I thought following God was supposed to take me to to green pastures and quiet waters like it talks about in Psalm 23. I thought believing in God was supposed to give me a rich and satisfying life like it talks about in John 10.10. What did I do to deserve this? Well, in all likelihood, friends, you've done nothing to deserve it. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did nothing to deserve their pain. That kind of suffering is unjust. And the furnace of suffering is never hotter than when we suffer unjustly. Yet, the Apostle Peter in the New Testament, in one of his books, wrote that our response to this kind of pain can bring glory to God. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 19, he says, For God is pleased when conscious of his will you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're being beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Why would patiently enduring wrong glorify God? It's because it shows our trust in a trustworthy God. By responding with resolve and endurance, we point to the greater reality of our circumstances. We point to a righteous and sovereign God who is not constrained by our finite reality. You need help picturing this and deciding if it's true for you in your life today? Well, let's keep reading in Daniel chapter 3. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. These three men understand, as God's people throughout all of history have always known, that the battle is actually God's. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't need to argue politics with a king or their individual rights or theology. They need to simply have quiet, determined resistance and leave the results up to God. That's all that's required. They understand that God's will reigns supreme. Even as they say in verse 18, even if God doesn't choose to save them from death, God's eternal plan reigns supreme. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar may rule the temporal world at that time in Babylon, but neither his gold statue nor his incredible power can intimidate these three men or overpower the kingdom that they belong to. Reading again, chapter 3, verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar responds to this quiet resolve, this determination that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego show in a way that you would fully expect. It says that Nebuchadnezzar was furious with the three men. 
So furious that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, and other garments that were normal for the Middle East at that time. And because the king in his anger had determined had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames actually ended up killing the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fall into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumps up in amazement and exclaims to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Of course we did, your majesty, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouts back to them, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. And Nebuchadnezzar comes closer, and as, as he does, he looks into the flaming furnace, and he shouts, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers and the officials, the governors and the advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed. Remember, friends, that the, that the strong soldiers were burned just getting close to the fire and killed. But here, not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. What God can deliver his people out of Nebuchadnezzar's hands? The Most High God. The only true God. The God of Daniel, of Shadrach, of Meshach, and Abednego. The God who was revealed back in Daniel chapter 2 in Nebuchadnezzar's dream as the one who would one day crush all human empires. All of a sudden, friends, Nebuchadnezzar's huge gold statue that he had uh, built has lost its luster and power. What began as a monument to supreme power has become a reminder of subordination to God, the King of Kings. And to Nebuchadnezzar's credit, he's the first to admit it. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be, burned, will tur- be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. And then the king promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. <clears throat> Isn't it ironic that the mighty king who originally ordered the world to bow before his gold image, now bows before the true king of the world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have faithfully pointed the king and his people to a trustworthy and sovereign God. And God chose to rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of that fiery furnace. But friends, his plans for you or me may be different. To a varying degree, We all experience furnace-type situations. COVID-19 for many has been that type of a fiery furnace. And for some, the furnace continues to burn. It continues to increase in temperature. 
What do we do when we face these types of circumstances? How do we handle circumstances that threaten to destroy us? The temptation is always to compromise our convictions, to compare, to rationalize, to look for, for human sources to help us, to take an easier path, or to rely solely on ourselves. Friends, if you're in a furnace of unjust suffering, I encourage you to consider three principles that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived by. These truths are recorded in history in the scriptures to help us endure the heat that we will encounter in our lifetime. First, remind yourself. Whether the result of, of your obedience is triumph or tragedy, God is sovereign. God's sovereignty is not dependent upon our circumstances. When things go well for us, yeah, it's easy to acknowledge God's sovereignty, His good and just rule over us. But when the bottom drops out on us and the pain is too much, we can wonder, is God still in control? Does He really see what's going on? Does He care anymore? Friends, the fact is that God would still have been in control had He let Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego die in the flames, as He's allowed thousands of martyrs over the centuries to die throughout the course of history. Friends, God may deliver, he may not. As much as we want to be in control of that outcome, and as much as we have opinions on it, that is actually God's determination. Our part is to trust his character, trust his eternal plan, and obey. And I know that last word, obey, can rankle some of us. It, it rubs me sometimes in a wrong way. But throughout the Bible, God links our love and our obedience. They are interwoven when he calls us to himself. The second thing when we face the fiery furnace that we need to remember is that suffering is necessary, whether it seems fair or not. We live in a broken world that God is redeeming, and as a result, it is full of suffering. We cannot avoid it. And pain does have its positive side, which is always easier to see when we're not suffering. Nevertheless, did you notice that the only things the fire burned up were the cords that were used to bound, uh, bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Friends, often suffering burns away those things that bind us up, that weigh us down, those things that keep us from being free and being our full selves, that keep us from following God fully. The goal, as the Apostle Peter put it, is that these trials show that your faith is genuine, being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, Peter says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In other words, the reward, he says in verse 9, for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. The third thing to remember in the furnace is that deliverance is striking for anyone who witnesses it. Friends, never underestimate who's watching and who's witnessing your fiery furnace experience. What really amazed the people on that day as they watched Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't the the reflection of the, of the gold, the luster of the gold statue in the background. Their eyes were fully focused on these 
the faith of these three men following God into the flames. Friends, when we come out of the fire stronger and freed up from the things that once bound us, we're a living testimony to God's presence and power. And not only is that impressive and attention-grabbing to those around us, it can be life-changing. It can be absolutely life-changing to know that whatever happens to us, whatever we go through, God is there with us. And when we're on the other side, he's also there waiting, drawing us closer to him, making us more and more into his image. Daniel 3 reminds us that a person of conviction, one who persists in adversity, is a powerful, powerful instrument in the hand of God. Friends, as our team leads us in a few more songs of worship, if you are finding that you're in a challenging situation or there's one looming in front of you, we want to join with you in that. So we invite you to click the prayer button that you see on your screen. Or if you're not watching live with us, then you can email us 24-7 at prayer at jerichoridge.com. We are here and our pastoral staff want to enter into that challenge, whatever it might be, with you through prayer.